everyone, and welcome to the 20th episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is Platy M3. And this is Yangus the Legendary Bandit. Woohoo! It's time to celebrate, Yangus. You'll be out celebrating with the lads this weekend, I'm sure. Tis the season, right? Tis the, tis the season for what now? Well, I mean, besides the obvious, it's also back to school time. All around Krampus, I can feel that special school spirit in the air. Spirit in the air? What? Platy, you don't know Jack. Frost has been on the windows. I mean, it's kind of due to the malfunctioning air conditioners in some rooms, but that's really set the tone for this special time of year. I'm so excited. Not even that creepy, like, Gorilla or Mary Lloyd can bring me down. Woohoo! All right, all right, all right. Calm down, Platy. What the heck are you going on about? I, I feel like I swing my boot right through this microphone and, and kick you with my patented nutcracker to keep this up. And the Mouse King, yeah. You know, I see you're getting it now. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. All right. Well, we've been doing uh, the side quest podcast for about a full year now. And I can assure you, I don't have a freaking clue what you're going on about. All right. Not a single thing you're saying is ringing a bell. Schnickle, schnickle, schnickle. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just to break away from the script real quick, that was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> I just hearing you go, shackle, shackle, shackle. Okay, all right. Um, uh, uh, still no clue what you're talking about. Um, whatever. I'm putting it into your hand, your head cannon, pun fest, whatever. And I'm simply just going to tell our listeners out there uh, the big news. This episode, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary tonight. And by doing that, we're going to be talking about a topic uh, we didn't want to wait another six months to talk about. So we're jumping ahead pretty much. <laughs> That's right. We're going to celebrate Christmas in July tonight. We'll be focusing on all those extremely Christmas-themed video games out there. The millions of them! Um, I mean, maybe there's like one or two. But in uh, case you haven't noticed, uh, as opposed to all of the horror and Halloween-themed games we talked about last October. There really aren't exactly a ton of video games out there entirely about Santa Claus or Christmas and so on and so forth. Uh, most of what uh, we talk about tonight, though, uh, we are going to be sticking with winter wintry-themed areas in different games, or if a game has, like, a Christmas-themed level, we'll be talking about that. All right. Fair enough there, Scrooge McGrinch. All right, joining us tonight for our Wintry Wonderland episode, we have our Christmas elf helpers. We've got Pendy, Eel, Cthulhu, and Matt Craft. Welcome, guys. Hey, I just want to be a dentist. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll get to that game soon, too. Angus, why did you break kayfabe and tell the audience as a script? What? 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 what no, no, I didn't say that. No, no, no. Platty, edit that out. I don't hear Ruining the magic. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. That was Cthulhu. That was Cthulhu who said that. Ruining the spirit of Christmas and podcast. I told you we shouldn't invite a Cthulhu on, Platty, but no, you said let's bring him on. Things to go to Ryleth pretty quickly. But speaking of Lord of the Underworld, we'll... Start with someone who's uh, has a limited amount of time tonight. We can't join us for our uh, whole seven-hour episode that we're going to start right with here. So, uh, <laughs> seven-hour episode. You better get more than water while he's uh, starting to talk about this there, Yangus. But uh, we're going <laughs> to... Matt Craft, we're going to start with you. You got a couple things that you wanted to talk about. Um, and like you said, you are a little bit short on time tonight. So we got no problem... Letting you go first and uh, take it away with what you want to talk about. 
Alrighty, I was going to talk about one game first, but I decided to switch it around. I know all of you have played Secret of Mana. Classic, wonderful game. Go around the world, saving it, I and mean, saving it like every other RPG in the universe. They did one wonderful, wonderful thing that I'm surprised didn't get them sued by the people who made the CBS movies. They actually added in Santa Claus, the real bonafide Santa Claus. When you get to the obligatory ice world in the game, you're tasked with finding the Mana Seed, which is one of the game's major MacGuffins. Guess what? Someone beat you to it. It was Santa Claus. He was going to get the Mana Seed so that he could save Christmas, literally. When you go to find Santa and the and the Mana Seed, Santa has done turned into the boss monster, made a giant ice castle, a la Frozen, and you get to uh, lay the smack down on him for not giving you any presents last year. Platty. You end up defeating the... I didn't do it. Yes, you did. You ended up defe defeating Santa, who turned into a giant hulking ice monster. And then, literally, you save Christmas. Because Santa goes around the mana world shortly after that, I'm guessing, delivering presents. Because you don't have to go back to the ice level. One little good th funny thing about it is, Rudolph is there too. So you got Santa, Rudolph, all in a mana title. Hmm. The other game I'm going to talk about is part of what is known as the, well, not the Soul Blazer trilogy, made by Quintet, who also made the Act Razor games. If you've ever, never heard of Terranigma, it is a the actually very good action RPG for the Super Nintendo. Got released in Europe. Never saw release in the U.S. And it was one of the last good, e I think Enix published it. I can't remember. I know Quintet developed it. But during the game, you literally resurrect the entire world. You go through it reviving plants, animals, humans, birds, etc. While you're going through what is known as the third act of the game, you end up going to Siberia. The Winter Wonderland of Russia, where you also end up... I'm trying to remember the exact words that they use. You end up finding a lab in the middle of the wilderness where you resurrect the eponymous genius that's the main focus of Chapter 3. And from there, the game just continues on. That's really all I've got for my Winter Wonderland. The, lo the lovely thing about it is that uh, when you resurrect the genius, he decides he wants to turn the world into a winter wonderland, a nuclear winter wonderland with biological weapons. That is it for me, guys. Y'all have a good one. I gotta go take a shower. <laughs> All right, well, have some good clean fun doing that there, Matt Craft. All right, you know what? I'm just gonna randomly pick somebody here. Pendy, you, you've got a couple of uh, things that you wanted to talk about. Go ahead and pick one of yours, and uh, let's go to that. I do. So I'm gonna start with uh, I am Setsuna, or as I like to call it, I am Hamey, since uh, you can change Setsuna's, Setsuna's name, so I changed it to my wife's name. It's a uh, RPG from Square Enix that first that first came out on the Vita. Ooh. Oh no! Oh no! Well, I was waiting for I was waiting for Matt's. <laughs> wow! I am Setsuna's on the Vita. Yeah, it's on the <gasps> Vita. What the that's hell? that's what uh, that's what the good old Wikipedia, the PDF of Wix. 
tells me. But it came out on the on the Vita, the PS4, and the Windows in February of 2016 in Japan, worldwide wow. in uh, the following July. Uh, I played the Switch release that originally came out in March of uh, 2017 worldwide. It's a, a game that takes place entirely in a snowy backdrop, and the entire soundtrack is done on a piano. Uh, and that's it. That's the game in, uh, in a nutshell. <laughs> piano and snow. Uh, snow and piano. Next game. That's all I got. So, so what was the combat like in there? Wasn't that supposed to be like the but, uh, spiritual successor to Chrono Trigger or something? Yes, and I am just kidding because uh, I actually do have more, more written. I actually do have a whole. Oh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> That'd be great. But no, just actually, stop there. Just like, nope, that's it. But but no, yes, you are you are right. That's the defense that uh, goes right into what I was going to start to talk about. It is a tr- Chrono Trigger style game. The uh, developers openly say that it's supposed to be a 90s style RPG that draws heavy inspiration from it. It's an ATB battle system with enemies on screen. You have three player party battles with two or three characters that can pull off combos together. Uh, it even involves time travel near the end of the game, though I won't say how or why, just to avoid spoilers. Uh, some of the people on the Dragon's Den Discord uh, including our fellow Yangus, tried to warn me it's not really the most exciting game in the world, and I'd have to agree. Uh, in my opinion, it's it's mediocre at best. Uh, I love Chrono Trigger, but this gives me the feeling of a low-budget, off-brand Chrono Trigger. Like, if you go to the grocery store and buy that cereal in a bag, off-brand Lucky Charms or Cheerios, it may taste similar, but it's not that great. Uh, in the battles, the combo seemed underwhelming to me to, to start, our, uh, start off with. Uh, they were much more colorful and dynamic in Chrono Trigger, in my opinion. Uh, and back in that day, having enemies on screen in a turn-based RPG was kind of rare at the time. But the biggest appeal wasn't that you could see them, it was how they interacted with you. Oftentimes, they would pop out from the environment and come out in many different visually appealing whale, uh, ways. Uh, even if you already saw them hanging out, sometimes they would be making different expressions or messing around with each other. Sometimes you'd even catch them napping, little... Uh, fun ways like that. It was part of the, the fun of the game. Uh, and I am Hamey, most of the time, they are just casually moving around. There's not much to their movements for the most part. Now, for some people, the snowy backgrounds and the piano soundtrack got very old very quickly, but I actually didn't mind it that much. It's actually a pretty short game. Uh, if you go to the website Time to Beat, it has an average completion time of around 20 hours. Not that long. Now, had it been twice that, like a, a, as of like a standard RPG time, I would have agreed that a completely snowy world would have gone on for much, much too long. Really, the biggest thing that killed it for me were the characters. Like they weren't, they weren't just really that interesting to me. They're all kind of boring and don't seem to have a lot of personality. None of them really stood out to me. Um, I read that the story's central theme is sadness, and I do see that. After all, you play a main character that is hired to assassinate Amy before she can make a journey to sacrifice herself to appease the monsters and stop them from attacking the world. Uh, and that theme of sadness plays throughout the game. There are many tragic backstories involved, uh, especially with the uh, the end boss. He has a very tragic backstory as well of why why and how he became uh, the, the huge demon that he is. Uh, but again, I was just kind of bored with it. I mean, I don't mind the sad story, whether it be an anime like Wolf's Reign or a video game like Dragon Quest V. Sad stories can be very entertaining. Uh, the game just didn't do anything for me. So for, any, well, for anyone else that has tried this game, what do you guys think of it? Um, I, I played it a few years ago. I think it was one of the first like digital games I bought for my PS4 after I got it, because I think it ended up being on sale not too long after I picked one up. Uh, anyway, 
Um, I played it. I got through a good chunk of the game, but on, honestly, I did like how it was like a snowy, icy kind of world to the entire yeah. game. Because really, I I've always liked the winter season. That's <laughs> that fall is probably my favorite season, but winter is like close behind that. Just because I I like the snow and I like the ice, and you know, I I just kind of like how it makes the world look. And I thought that Setsuna, even though it seemed like a little bit of a lower budget game for an RP, uh, you know from square enix that it still was visually a pretty nice looking game and even though there were areas that um, you know they're mainly in like white because of the snow that there were some that did have you know distinct features to it so they all, so nothing looked like super samey from what i remember playing that being said i'm not really a fan of the characters none of them really were that interesting and even the yeah. characters that i thought were going to be like oh you know you're going to be kind of a cool character they just kind of fell flat I like their designs. I'm just not a big fan of their personalities and, you know, what little they have. I do like the design of the main character, though. I think he kind of has that, um, uh, I don't know what design I would call that, but I kind of like how he has that um, knight sort of look, but also like a mercenary kind of look to him. And he's got like that helmet that covers up his head. I I just thought he had kind of a neat design, you know. But yeah, that's really all about I have for it. I like the music. The piano, being a piano-focused soundtrack was definitely a different you know, choice to go with, but I think it worked fine. Visually, it was fine. Characters just didn't really leave a, a big impact. Yeah, I think that was the weakest part of the game was just the characters. Yeah. The reception was just too uh, mixed to justify wanting to play a 20-hour RPG. So I'm sure if it came out to Vita in English, I would have uh, picked that up day one, but alas... Yes, we double checked. It, it it was on Vita, but it never came over here on Vita. Oh, it's in Asian English though. All of what? through the Southeast Asian region. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot of those for Vita games. There's a lot of games that um get English, but only in the Asian versions. Yeah, so I think that right. I think that might have been the situation. Yeah, yeah I know like, they did that with Dragon Quest Builders One, where because I think Il, you told us about that one, where there was yes. actually a physical version. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I play yeah, a lot of... It's like, yeah. Oh, it's just like a kind of expensive game to get, and you can only import it off, like, PlayAsia. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I play all the Super, Ro- Super Robot Wars games that come out, because uh, they only come out in English for Southeast Asia, so I end up importing them all. But I didn't know I didn't know that about Builders. That's, that's a cool little fact that I didn't know about. Hey, the next Super Robot Wars you don't have to worry about. How's, how's that? That's coming out in the United States. Is it? I didn't see that. Yeah. I know it's coming out in Southeast Asia again, because they have that. I saw that uh, shortly after the trailer came out. But I didn't know it was coming out in the United States, too. That's awesome. Yeah, that's going to be the yep. 30th anniversary uh, game that they're doing. Yeah, it's a Maybe first they'll have a cross-age in there. Well, we're going to have everything. Well, a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're done with Setsuna, we'll go over to Evan. Go ahead and pick one of your titles. And... All right. So, uh, I picked an actual Christmas game. I chose uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for uh, Wii. And they actually had the gall to make a DS version of this game as well. So, um, <laughs> let, me just start off, well. let me just start off by answering the question you're all likely asking yourselves. Is it a good game? No, it is not. <laughs> the, uh, the first red flag was the box when I opened it to play last night. Um, it had uh, oh, just no. stills from the from movie or the special or whatever and so half of the box is just a really grainy picture of rudolph and like half the thing is just snow really grainy snow and then like another 
third of it is just the logo and like the abominable snowman is like holding on to it and he's like a very hairy looking thing so you can tell they didn't really crop it out of the uh screenshot very well so it's just a very poorly cut version of the abominable snowman holding on to like the game's logo so when the game boots up um you are introduced to sam the snowman uh as you all know he was voiced by burl ives and uh they didn't even try to uh replicate burl ives voice at all uh it was one of the worst things i've ever heard in my life um and a they do a lot of quotes in there too. Like they try to like do nostalgia quotes in there. Where like, oh, the only castle on the left, or what? Never heard of a talking snowman before. It was so. Um, would it surprise you if I told you there's a story mode in this game? So it's uh, I believe it was four or five levels. The first level was called Holiday Helper. Um, basically, what it is is it's one of those games where like an item drops from the sky and you have to use Rudolph to bounce it over to like the Christmas tree or Santa's bag or whatever. Um, but the problem is it's motion controlled. So you have to very lightly move the Wii remote uh, while you're controlling Rudolph. And the problem is Rudolph is very tall. And when you bet when an item bounces off of Rudolph, it doesn't bounce high enough and it falls too fast and the controls are so imprecise that you keep bouncing it in the wrong direction, back and forth, back and forth. And I eventually had to come up with a trick where I make Rudolph jump so it gives the item enough air where he can eventually move underneath it and bounce it over to uh, the Christmas tree or Santa's bag or uh, whatever. The next game was Toy Maker, um, which is... Uh, in stark contrast to the first game, uh, one of the most mindless things I've ever done in my life, uh, there's a conveyor belt of toys, and you have to give it color. And all you have to do is when the item glows, you uh, swing your Wii remote, and Rudolph will just throw red paint at it, and then it'll get wrapped up in a present and go on its way. Uh, the next one was cook- uh, Cookie Cooking. Um, and this one's a little bit more involved where like a prompt will appear on the screen, you know, swing the Wii remote this way, push it down, slide this way, slide that way. So, so Rudolph's doing various activities to bake cookies. Um, it's slightly better than the other two games, but only because it requires a little bit more, um, you know, finesse on the part of the player, I guess. And then the last one was called Saving Christmas. And basically it's Santa. Um, He's flying over all the houses and you play as an elf and you throw all the gifts, you know, off off the uh, thing, just like in the special. And you try to get it onto the roof or in the chimney for extra points. And there are points in this game. Um, So if you're curious, my scores were uh, seven in Holiday Helper. Uh, 50, 52 in Toy Maker, 28 Ooh. in Cookie cookie, uh, cookie Cooking, and 37 in Saving Christmas. And in between each level, um, there's a new thing where uh, Sam the Snowman goes, oh, you just did this thing. Now this new thing is happening. Go to the new minigame now type thing. And um, when that happens, you're then given an option to choose uh, which character you want to play as. Uh, because this game has co-op. There's co-op in this game. Ooh, so uh, wow. anyone, with, anyone with kids Ooh, out wow. there, this is a uh, family-friendly co-op game. And you can play as the male or female version of that character. I think it's uh, Rudolph and Clarice, and then just a generic uh, male elf and 
uh, female elf. <laughs> it was uh, so I dropped this in the um, private messages uh, in the Discord. Uh, it took me 12 minutes to play this whole game front to back. Yes. <laughs> a little bit shorter because uh, I included the time it took for the game to load up. <laughs> and then I let it run through the uh, end credits. So I think it would have been closer to around 11 minutes or so. So you hit credits in 12 minutes? Wow. Yes. You, you know, I've seen so many YouTube. people. Sorry, go ahead. You can actually go on YouTube and uh, see other people's full Let's Plays of this game. That's why I was kind of like, oh man, I'm really not looking forward to playing this game literally the night before we record this podcast because <laughs> I knew it was so short. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man. You know, I any of you uh, don't have game, a. Room, I've never heard that it was that short, Evan. I never heard it was that short. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised there weren't um, like more mini games. I guess there wasn't much they could do. Uh, I'm kind of confused why they didn't try to do like the full story of the special. And I guess it's probably a budget thing. Uh, but it was kind of weird that it was just like the little montage before the end when they're all preparing for Christmas last minute mm-hmm. in the like in the original special. Yeah. Uh, it was it, it was it was budget like through and through. It was not a very uh, high tech thought out game. And what I thought was most funny was um, when I booted up the game and it's showing all the um, all the uh, 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 developers or whatever attached to it. One the first one was a picture of like their uh, clip art looking uh, uh, logo, and the next one was this very lavish, like maybe thirty second long clip of someone uh putting in a video game and things are just exploding all over the place oh my god it's so crazy and the logo appears high voltage games and then <laughs> and then it loads into a really terrible looking we shovelware game wow talk about budget i just looked it up on amazon you can get it for a dollar 99 Ooh, plenty i think nice. you know what you need to get your boys for christmas this year <laughs> i was gonna say it's got co-op yeah so there you go. I initially bought it because I saw a new copy on eBay and I needed a uh, new case for a week. <laughs> I think I paid about three or four dollars. Yeah, referencing uh, the Time to Beat website again, that yeah, it puts the average to to beat this game at fifteen minutes, uh, <laughs> a whole fifteen minutes. Oh, and this is whether this, and this is whether you're doing regular style or being a completionist. <laughs> This wow. game's length is self-imposed, though. It has, like, every minigame has, like, a timer on it. So, like, um, it's uh, not like, you know, you stop scoring or something or you miss too many times. The game will, you know, penalize you and stop. It just keeps, like, the... I'm, I was really confused on the the present game because the the conveyor belt that gives you all the gifts moves at its own pace. And so I'm really just, like... So long as I'm flicking my wrist, it's my score is literally impossible to go up or down because you, the, the clock moves at its normal pace and the conveyor belt's just going to go whenever it's going to go. And there's nothing I can do to make the, the to add time on the clock or any of that. So it's just like I got 58 points and it would have been li- I literally could not have gotten more than 58 points because I la- I got every single hit before the timer ran out. <laughs> Wow. And it's yeah, not like, never... oh, you didn't score, you wouldn't get to move on. I did really bad at the first game. I was thinking, oh, my God, am I going to spend the next 30 minutes trying to get a good enough score in this <laughs> game? And no, it just dumped me into the next game. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you got seven points. All right, new game. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I don't we think probably we talked quite... about it longer than <laughs> we probably did. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm writing down minutes here so I can uh, put the music in, and you're about at twelve, so you. <laughs> You've almost reached your goal, I believe. I would recommend you just pull music from uh, the special, although I guess that might risk getting it, you know, pulled from YouTube or whatever, because yeah, they're whatever. really everything. you can just rip <laughs> off from the game itself. It's really just generic. Style music. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. All right. Well, that's a fun one. Now. Yangus, usually I call on you next, and then I go last, and then I ended up the show. But I'm gonna I'm gonna save you for last this week. I'm gonna cut in. Here. No. <laughs> <laughs> that way you can uh, end the episode or keep it going forever, however you uh, decide to go um, later. Well, what, but, well, just okay. So I'll let the audience in on something. So before I edited my part in, I checked to see what Platy had put down or what he had written up for the thing so far. And what he had listed for mine, let me see if I can find that picture. <laughs> he, whatever. he put like six different things down for it, and it said under Yangus, one, whatever, two, more whatever, three, what the fuck, four, come on now, five, that's enough, six, done, all caps. <laughs> well, I knew you were going to have a lot of stuff to talk about, so I wanted to make sure that your little four to six bullet points were already there for you. <laughs> Well, thank you for looking out for me, I guess. <laughs> and I think Evan pretty much like hit the no- hit it perfectly with what I wrote there. It was like, what did I say? Like some, oh, what, did I, what did I put for him? I was like, oh, some visual novel we've never heard about. Another <laughs> yeah. game, yeah. another game nobody's ever played. And then like, of course, a game we've all played or something like that. And yeah. <laughs> looking at his three, it's pretty much right about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna talk about my uh, second game for like a super long time, so I might just cut out my uh, last game. Save it for right. a, a future Christmas episode, in case. Oh yeah, so I'm sure we could always come up with another uh, snowy themed episode. Yeah. Hey, but... maybe we can actually do an actual Christmas episode around Christmas time. But that's a crazy. Oh, no, we gotta do, we do a summer episode around Christmas time. Yeah. Christmas we could. <laughs> games we liked for the the year. You know, we've done I, that 100 percent of the times. I appreciated that. I appreciated that my section just said snowy piano. That was fun. Yes, that was pretty good. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to um, talk about my first game. And this was one I actually tagged the developers on Twitter today because, I mean, I really love this game, but I can't find like any information. There's no wikis. You go on game FAQs and the board is just somebody saying, I own the board. And that's like their entire chat uh, message board area about it. Um, but it's from an indie developer, um, Z-Boyd Games, and I played Cthulhu Saves Christmas about a year and a half ago. It was released in December 2019, uh, came out on PC, and then last year it came out on Switch um, with some options that I really wish I had on the PC version the first time around. It is a prequel to their 2010 game, Cthulhu Saves the World. Um, It's a, one of those retro pixel titles um looks absolutely beautiful you know you just wish that people could have made pixel art like that back in uh the 90s um although maybe the super nintendo didn't have as many color palettes as that back then but you uh wake up one morning you're playing as cthulhu and you wake up the narrator's like reading a like you know cthulhu was snuggled all warm in his bed 
kind of Christmas poem and you immediately get the fact that there's not going to even be a fourth wall. It's just completely shattered. Cthulhu's like, shut up, narrator. I, we're not doing any poems in this game. And the whole game, there's jokes like that throughout. I mean, it just talks to you, the player. It reminds you to uh, play or buy other games from the company. Um, <laughs> they, they did that in... Uh, what was their other... Cosmic Star Harrowing. You, you walk up to somebody at one point and they're like playing uh, like Breath of Death 7 or something. One of the other games that they have done but your cthulhu you wake up and there's a present like sitting on your table i'm like oh well it's a little early for christmas presents but santa i guess brought me a present you open it up you're immediately you lose all your powers so cthulhu's all pissed at santa he's gonna go kill santa right away he's like oh, i gotta get my powers back um you end up though teaming up with uh santa's granddaughter crystal claws and you find out that of course it wasn't santa who did anything poor to you it was the league of christmas evil um, <laughs> and <laughs> that's the best name for an evil group for Christmas. <laughs> and they've got Santa. You got to go save Santa because Santa can give you your wish. And uh, Cthulhu's wish is to have all his powers back so he can destroy the world. So, you know, to destroy the world, you must save Christmas. You know, there's there's the plot of the game. And everybody that joins you, all the bosses that you fight are all these mythical creatures from multiple different areas all around the world. Um, one of the people that joins you is Baba Yaga, and they call him Baba Yaga-chan. And this comes from like a Russian area, Ukraine, all around there. Uh, myths, there's hundreds of them. Apparently I was looking up today in fairy tales. And they're so widespread that Baba Yaga has been described as an old cannibal witch to oh. a wise prophetess who gives guidance to heroes. So it, it like in the hundreds of different fairy tales that star Baba Yaga, she could be pretty much anything. But okay, in this case, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt like you. John Wick. No, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you there real quick, Platty. But you talking about Baba Yaga, I'm pretty sure there's an equivalent to her uh, in the Shin Megami Tensei games. It's not Baba Yaga specifically, but it's a version of her. Uh, that's the, uh, that's an old witch like that. I got to look that up now. It's oh, the they got other to, ones. It's there's the relation a... to Barong. It's the like Barong's eternal rival in those games. In Soviet oh. Russia, Baba Yaga is you. <laughs> and there's other creepy women ones in the game the Gariella and the Marie Lloyd um, so there's a bunch of creepy witches in wintry and Christmas kind of mythology around oh, that wrong, that's the name that's the name of the witch that I'm thinking of because the way you describe Baba Yaga that's pretty much how Rhonda is where she's like an old witch that like she's got like these creepy long nails she's from oh let's see she's from like Bali and and Balinese mythology, but she's kind of the same idea. All right. Most of these come from, uh, they, they stick to mainly European. Uh, you get Belschnickel, who you also heard referenced in our opening part. Schnickel, schnickel, schnickel. Um, this guy is a German helper of St. Nick. Um, he's a man who wears furs and sometimes he's got a mask with a long tongue. Um, but basically he uh, carries a stick in his hand and he goes around and he beats the naughty children um at christmas but also he's got a pocket full of cakes and candies and nuts for all the good kids um he he joined your party uh then you got some of the bosses i don't want to give everybody away um but there's a good old krampus you know the guy from the 2015 horror film um this comes from folklore in the swiss alps and it's this horned devilish figure who during christmas also kind of like follows along behind saint nick and if you're good you know saint nick gives you the gifts 
And if you're bad, Krampus does bad things to you. Um, we got good old Jack Frost from Atlas. Um, I think there's actually a joke in there about Atlas or Persona or Shin Megami Tensei. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say he's like the very first boss in the very first area. I, there's so many jokes in these games that it's Zaboid Games is always cracking people up. You fight the Mouse King from the Nutcracker Ballet um, and, and just tons more. So shout out, by the way, um, to the Z-Boyd guys from sending me a direct message today with uh, all these people's names in it, because I, I played it a year and a half ago and I remembered a bunch of them. But like, there's no wiki. There's no nothing on this game out there. Like, come on, fans. Somebody's got to have something out there. That, that um, surprises me. There's no wiki for it, because I, I would have thought with the first game, Platy, that there would have been Oh, mm -hmm. you know, Cthulhu saves the world. That there would have been something for it, you know. Yeah, I'm just sure there's a, like, uh, characters or. I'm sure there's a Cthulhu th specific themed, uh, you know, wiki that's probably got an entry on it somewhere. Yeah, I could. I tried digging for all five minutes, and <laughs> I thought it was easier to go straight to the source. And guys were great on Twitter and got back to me, so thank you. Um, but the battle system, it's a turn-based one, very similar if you've played any of their other games. Um, almost identical to Cosmic Star Heroin. Um, you gotta, you can actually see your turns coming up. There's a little bar on the right-hand side of the battle screen. You can see who's gonna go next and whatever. Um, everybody has seven attacks per turn to choose from. And at the beginning of the battle, um, you have all seven available to you and then a rest command. And each attack can only be used once, and then you can't use it the rest of the battle unless you burn a turn to rest. Um, and something interesting about the battle system also is you get to pick three or four of those um, commands to equip to your character at any given time. And then the other three or four get automatically just shuffled into your person at the beginning of every battle. So you could have three random encounters in a row and have mo half of your attacks different for every character every time you just um so you know you always pick you know y y your three most powerful ones and always lock them in and then you know your other ones are just random not that this is a hard game anyway these games are not too bad at all and i, I love how these games really respect your time first off this game is like a four to five hour game tops um most of their games really are even cosmic star heroine maybe 10 to 12 and they've got random encounters as you're walking around the places and even those random encounters you know right when you're going to get a random encounter you'll have a little icon that's going from green to yellow to red also there's a battle counter and i want to say it's at 20 or 15 in every single area once you hit those 15 to 20 random battles uh you don't have any more random encounters okay i i can't remember if here i know in cosmic star heroine you could just trigger one anytime you wanted if you wanted to grind and just battle for a while. Can't remember if this has it too, but I, I'm sure there's something in there. It wouldn't just stop you from being able to go do that. Uh, the main loop of this game is it's uh, Christmas Eve, like forever, I want to say, it, or like 31 days or something like that. And you spend four days in this little Christmas town and then like every fifth day you go do another dungeon and a battle and it totally plays on persona that every day you get to do a uh what they call rylethish rylethish rylethonship because <laughs> cthulhu lives in the city of ryleth or the planet of ryleth or whatever um in his lore but they have they play on that and pun it with uh relationships and you get to pick who you want to spend the day with every time and whoever you spend the day with there are these 
like literally 30 to 45 second quick little um, encounters with them. And it's always Cthulhu, like wanting to do something actually devious or just pissed off that he's got to spend the day doing something. And half the time he inadvertently does something really dreadful that turns out really beneficial for people. So he's always always failing to be evil. Um, Like one, you can pick, you go to the mall and he ends up taking the day as the mall Santa and like just gives kids like these horrible presents, but it turns out just fine or something. And sounds like blue star. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the only way to get upgraded items or um, armor and weapons in the game. There's no like currency that you're buying stuff with. At least I don't recall that, but um, you get new weapons. Like if you need a new weapon for crystal claws, go spend the day with her. And it's very clear. It'll say like, oh, if you go with her, you'll get the new sword for this person. And again, the game is not that hard. My biggest complaint at the end of it was that there wasn't a new game plus something I never do, but I wanted to do it just to go through and do all the other right left and ship stuff that I didn't do the first time. Because, I mean, they're so short and each one just had me cracking up every time. It, It was just great. So total play on the whole persona timed bits and relationship points and whatever. But, I mean, they make it go in five minutes you're from one boss to the ne- the beginning of the next day when you're back battling again so it, it really respects your time and um as i've said on the podcast many times i write for rpgamer.com and one of our owners um anna marie Privateer, her one of her avatars online one of her nicknames online is pause and she knows these guys really well and she's in some of the video games that they've made you can do um one where you find pause in the little cat locked in a cage and you can let her out and i think she's like this intergalactic alien that's just disguised as this thing and cthulhu's always like hey what are you doing here pop up here so that was always funny to it was like oh i know i know the person they named that one after gave a little nod to her but it is yeah, yeah, pretty cool game. yep it's a quick game it's out on pretty much everything at this point it's out on switch it was one of the it was like a launch title for playstation 5 oh, really? and yep and i want to say that i know it came out when, when it came out on switch last christmas time they did the limited run games release and i think you could even get the ps5 physical copy like right around the launch time of PS5. Yeah, I think that was their first uh, PS5 game. Yeah. On limited runs. Mm-hmm. So, fun game, quirky game. You know, I'm sure it's on sale. Heck, I think when I played Cosmic Star, or it may have been this one that it even said, like, have you played our other games? Come on, they're like a dollar every other week on Steam or something like that. Like, right in the game, it tells you that. So, <laughs> they've made some funny games. It's... Uh, they're working on some magical, magical, this way darkness lies or something like that. They're doing some magical girl pirate um, JRPG-ish type of game. Oh, not pirate. Um, Shakespeare. A magical girl Shakespeare JRPG. <laughs> Sounds like a day one buy for me. Yeah. That is quite the, quite, quite the mix. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and it's great. They're very communicative on Twitter. and They put out polls all the time. They're like, should we do this? Should we do that? Should we play with the combat? You know? Um, you know, I always imagine that Shakespeare really wanted all of his characters to be magical girls. So, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like that would have been the thing back in his time. Yeah. Well, if we're talking magical girls, it's time for Yangus to start talking more. Than- <laughs> <laughs> 
what? Wow, nice segue. And, and and if I knew any Shakespeare by heart, I would have used that as the segue to you. But I, I'm not a high school student forced to memorize stuff anymore. So <laughs> on to you. Okay. Um, so just real quick before I do start talking about my or one of my things, do you guys have like uh, just one other one or how many other things do you guys have? Because I don't want to, you know, take I don't want to. Take up I was gonna say, you know, do two of your four. Okay. Yeah, I have I have one, and it requires a, a lot of context, so I'll be running for a little while. So feel free to go as long as you want. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna probably just go with two of mine then, because two of my things that I picked out, I don't really have a whole lot to say on. Uh, so in that case, I'm going to talk about um, Freeze Easy Peak from Banjo Kazooie on the Nintendo 64. So, if you've never played Banjo Kazooie, it's a collectathon platform where you play as the titular Banjo the Bear and Kazooie the Bird. You go through the levels uh, through Gruntilda the, uh, the Witch's uh, uh, lair. Uh, you collect these uh, golden jiggies that help you open up uh, entryways to new levels to go to. And eventually, as you're going through, the fifth world that you get to is Freeze Easy Peak. A uh, reason I chose this level for you know this episode tonight was uh, not only because you know it's a wintry themed level, but it's actually a Christmas winter themed level. So when you op- when you first get to the world uh, and you open the doorway for it, you actually see that the entryway looks like one of those uh, advent calendars where you know you open up like the one and there's a little thing in it. There's a two. You open it up. You guys know what I'm talking about with an advent calendar. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So. Uh, it, it's a cool little like uh, set piece that you have for the entryway to the world because uh, the doorway that opens up once you know you complete the picture for the level, uh, it's basically one of those uh, little chunks of the advent calendar opening up to let you in. So it's kind of a cool little touch. Uh, you get into the level, uh, it's a starry night up above. There's snow that'll fall down uh, as you play through. Uh, you have igloos, you have a little village that's, uh, you know, covered with Christmas lights. Uh, you have snowmen all around you. Uh, the centerpiece of the level is a absolutely gigantic snowman that has this big metallic scarf that you can uh, you can travel all across to get up to the snowman. Uh, there's a great big Christmas tree that you have to help decorate uh, with the by uh, protecting the Christmas tree lights to get to the tree. This is Banjo-Kazooie, and, like, everything that's an inanimate object has eyes, has, like, googly eyes put onto it, and is alive. <laughs> so helping out Christmas lights to get to a Christmas tree is not that crazy of a concept for this particular series. <laughs> but um, uh, you then have, you know, have a Christmas tree. You can find some Christmas presents and take them to uh, Polar Bear's kids to give, them, uh, give it to them so they can have, you know, a Merry Christmas because their dad was a lazy bum and didn't buy him anything. <laughs> uh, You're a jerk. I know. <laughs> You don't feel too bad for Bogey the Polar Bear the more you interact with him because he just really cares about himself and his racing rather than, you know, trying to take care of his kids. It gets even worse in the sequel. <laughs> but um, let me see. So, you know, if this is a really Christmas theme world. Uh, you have a really great theme song for this uh, level that was uh, Grant Kirkhope was the composer for Banjo-Kazooie and its sequel, Banjo-Tooie. And I think this is, I think Kirkhope has said that uh, Freezy Peak is one of his favorite songs because you will hear Freeze Easy Peak remixed into a lot of different uh, banjo, uh, like official, like there's an official uh, symphonic orchestra uh, medley piece from different songs from the game. And one of the very first songs that plays in it is from this level. And I think Kirkhope has said that it is one of his favorites that he ever wrote, he ever wrote for the series. And really, I completely understand why, because it's a very, you know, high spirited, very Christmassy song because 
Uh, we'll just uh, we'll, ha- we'll have it be playing in the background in the episode. But before we do that, it's a bit, it goes like da You know, it's it's very holly jolly sounding, is the way I'd put it. <laughs> very Christmassy song that's not really a Christmas song, <laughs> but um, this is a level that's always stuck out to me from the game. Not only because it has that Christmassy vibe to it, and it has you know the presents and you know a lot of interesting characters and some that are just real jerks because. You know, British humor, people are jerks. <laughs> but um, I always loved it because of the music. I love the level design of this place. It's a very, it's actually not that big of a level, but um, with some of the set pieces, I mean, you have a ton of to explore, like the giant snowman that's in the center of the stage that I was talking about. Uh, you know, you go inside the Christmas tree, you have some caves that you can go into. There's quite a bit that you can actually discover in this level. And, you know, the, the music is very nice, like I said. It, um, you have some nice challenges that you actually can go back to and complete once you get some uh, unlockables later on in the game uh, for pow- or for moves. And, you know, really, that's about all I really have to say. This is one of the levels that has always stuck out to me from this game. Uh, one that I think a lot of people remember fondly, too, because of so many elements to it. And, you know, if you ever play Banjo-Kazooie, then you're, can, you can... You will be you will experience a fun Christmassy themed winter winter wonderland level. Just be prepared to deal with a really bad father of a polar bear and a jerk and racist of a uh, walrus because he doesn't like anything else but walruses. <laughs> but that's rare humor for you. So that's it for Freeze Easy Peak. All right. Did you want to talk about another one or should we turn it over to Evan? Well, I mean, I can talk about one of my other ones real quick if that's fine with you. Yeah, guys. I was going to say you got some short Works ones. For me. Do it, win, do and then it. we'll uh, we'll go along with Evan. Okay. No, you want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for my other one, then that I'll talk about real quick. I'm actually going to talk about a game that I've recently been playing, uh, Hitman, uh, specifically Hitman Two. So when I bought the game, uh, it showed that there you could buy all of the content for uh, from Hitman One uh, for like twenty bucks. So I'm like, oh, you know, sure, I'll get that. You know, I get all the content from the first game. I can play it in the second one, no problem, whenever I want to. And so you know, I picked it up. And when I was going through the levels, uh, one of the first levels from the original game from 2016 was a level uh, it's a level set in Paris, excuse me, where you have to, normally you go after these two um, fashion show uh, you know, specialists, one of them is in charge of that, one of them is in charge of the secret auction that's going on um, If just to give a real quick uh, talk about Hitman, if you've never played the game before, uh, you're playing an assassin called uh, Agent, Tw- or Agent 47, he's sent into these different locations to take out different uh, people, usually who are doing black market deals, uh, you know, they hold a lot of power in a particular area, you know, they're blackmailing somebody, they're, like, everyone you go after is not a good person in these missions, um, so, and basically your goal then in the game is just to try and figure out how to take care of uh, these problems that are going on, how to take care of these people, uh, and how you want to solve those uh, levels. A lot, of, a lot of creativity and freedom what you want to do. Uh, so when I was playing the game and just kind of messing around in the Paris level, I went to look at the full list of stuff you could do for like some side missions as well, as well as the main one. And they actually have one that made me stop and go, oh my God. They have a full Christmas redecoration of the Paris level, which takes place in this old museum. Uh, it's called Holiday Hoarders. And your two targets are such an obvious and... Uh, such an obvious and love big love letter to the Home Alone movies because the two guys you go after are named Harry and Marv. They're both bandits and they're both trying to steal these really expensive items from this Christmassy themed neighborhood. In this case, it happens to be this big museum. <laughs> 
Love it. It's it's pretty great. You you even read up on them and you look at their designs. Like Harry is the smaller one of the two. He's wearing a beanie hat. He has like that long black trench coat sort of thing that uh, Joe Pesci wears in Home Alone. And then Marv is the taller one of the two. He's got like full facial hair. He's really lanky looking. Like it's it's a, it's a pretty funny shout out to the movies. It's a pretty good little, um, you know, a nod to Home Alone. But what's really cool is that, you know, rather than it just being like, um, oh, you know, you go into a level and oh, you got to go get these two bandits. Uh, like I said, there are just a ton of uh, new set pieces and new decorations like scattered across the whole. Level. Like as soon as you begin the level and it starts you off in um, the default level or the default um, starting point for the Paris level. Uh, you start outside of the museum where this fashion show is going to be taking place and you actually see like there's all the trees are like decorated with Christmas lights. Uh, there's big banners street, uh, sh um, strung up and uh, hanging from the fountains and from the side of the building. There's presents that you can find, which if you open them up, you actually get different things for Agent 47 to use, which is pretty funny because one of them has a <laughs> my favorite one that I found. You open it up. It's very obviously a shovel that's wrapped up in um Christmas paper, Christmas wrapping paper, but it's called the mystery present. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, like you have, uh, there's a ton of stuff too. Like even the statues on the fountains that are outside of this museum are covered with like Santa hats and they have streamers coming from them of different like Christmas colors, like, you know, red, green, uh, like gold and white. It's, it, and you even can find a Santa suit. Like when you're playing this stage, the briefing for it is like, we know there's, there's, there's these two criminals that are going after this, you know, after all these rare items and, you know, valuables inside this museum that's being used for the fashion show. But we've also been hearing this strange a jingle belling sound and what if what sounds like ho 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 we're not sure what that's about so you might want to look into that <laughs> <laughs> and you can actually find a santa suit that's the best part <laughs> that's like all those holiday specials for like family sitcoms where they say santa's not real until you see him flying over the house or something <laughs> exactly like <laughs> the one thing that this stage does not have that made me so disappointed so when you uh you know you take out the two thieves uh harry and marv and you go to one of the exits and you're walking away uh usually it'll show like the camera pulls back and eventually you know it kind of shows the skyline above the of uh, above this museum where this is all taking place they so miss an opportunity by not having like a silhouette of like santa sled flying over top <laughs> Because <laughs> the whole time the camera's zooming back, you hear the jingle bells even louder. And it's like, oh, you guys missed a golden opportunity. That would have been so funny. <laughs> but um, really, that's about all I have to say for this uh, particular uh, level, too. If you ever do play Hitman and you're just wanting to try, you know, something kind of funny and kind of goofy, this is going to be one of your best opportunities to experience that more goofy side to the Hitman games, where <laughs> they, they usually present themselves kind of serious, but you can do some really silly stuff. And honestly, what better way to do a silly thing than basically have an adult um, you know, an adult version of Kevin McAllister, who's bald with a gruff voice, going after the two thieves that <laughs> gave him such a hard time as a kid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's all I got to say about... Uh, the Christmas the Christmas level here and and if you do want to play this one in particular if you decide to play Hitman it's called Holiday Hoarders. All right, talking about someone who hoards games, although not so much anymore. He made <laughs> quite a bundle this past year. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, Evan used to hoard a lot of games, especially Vita games. 
Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, these are the ones I kept, or yeah. among the ones I kept. <laughs> um, the transition I would have picked was, speaking of Christmas in Europe, because my game takes place in, in Europe. But, uh, okay, listeners, uh, I'm going to be talking about a visual novel for a while now, so uh, feel free to ignore for the next 10, 15 minutes. Uh, enjoy whatever game you're playing while listening to this. I'll play uh, some Vanquist Act while you're going on. There you go. <laughs> so I, I apologize in advance, but I have to talk about two games before um, I talk about the Christmas game. So um, over the uh, over the course of the whole year, like around spring to now, I was playing the um, just off and on the uh, Code Realize series of visual novels. They're like the Otome ones, targeted specifically towards girls. Uh, but instead of a game where all the roots are uh, chasing after girls, uh, you're going after a guy instead. Uh, but all the, guy, all the guys are <laughs> characters from literature. So you have uh, Arsene Lupin, uh, Van Helsing, uh, Dr. Frankenstein, uh, Impy Barbicane, and St. Germain, who I did research on because I hadn't heard of the last two. And I believe St. Germain was an actual person, but uh, it all takes place in like a steampunk version of Victorian England. So it's all that, um, all those teen girl notes. Cute guys, steampunk, England. So the player character is Cardia, a young woman uh, who is cursed with poisonous skin that can melt anything with a touch. Her father was a uh, famous inventor and he's mysteriously disappeared. Uh, living alone in an abandoned mansion and treated as a monster for her skin condition, she lacks, like, emotion and personality. So, like, when you first uh, start the game, she's kind of just, like, not really, doesn't really think for herself, doesn't really emote very well. Um, over the course of the game, because I played through all of the roots, um, I noticed when I had to go back to the very start of the game, how different her personality is way later in the game compared to how she is at the very start. So, uh, one day she is quote-unquote, stolen away by the gentleman thief Arsene Lupin and brought to his hideout where he works alongside the engineer M.P. Barbicane and the Count St. Germain to find her father, uh, in part to cure her illness, but also because he might be involved in an incoming terrorist plot. Along the way, you ally yourself with the fugitive scientist Victor Frankenstein and the war hero Van Helsing. Um, so first of all, I'm just going to get this right off the bat, none of these characters are like how they're ever portrayed in their novels. Um, uh, Victor Frankenstein's like a very soft-spoken, kind, polite guy. He's like the nice guy of the group. The guy is like, oh, you're just so cool. I like, I like hanging out with you because you're the most level-headed and calm guy. Um, the only similarities Van Helsing shares with his um, counterpart is that he hunts vampires, or he used to. Um, I don't even know who Impy is. I've never heard of Saint Germain. So you get to know her, the the whole Lupin crew uh, during the common route while she uh, looked while they looked for her father, and there's a major revelation at that point that kind of splits them off into their own different character routes, and uh, they all got their own ending. But like the only one that has any sort of conclusion is Lupin's. For some reason, they decide to make his ending the true ending, and you can only get to his ending by doing the other four guys first. And um, all four guys have like their own unique protagonist or their own unique antagonists and they resolve like one part of the story whereas uh lupons resolves all of them uh so there's the second game the first one was called um guardian of rebirth the second one was called future blessings and this one includes epilogue chapters to all those 
other characters' stories. So, like, say you played through Victor Frankenstein and he has his ending. Um, in the sequel game, there is, like, a uh, epilogue where you play as what happened after his story ended. And um, so that game also included, like, these... A bonus, like three, four hour long story that takes place during the common route. But the most important part of uh, this game as it relates to the actual game I'm talking about is they added in two new routes that uh, follow from the common route of the first game. And that was um, uh, Herlock Sholmes, not Sherlock Holmes. Uh, <laughs> um, because you know, I, I, sorry to interrupt you real quick, but I'm pretty sorry. sure they call him Herlock Sholmes in, um, oh, what is it, the great Ace Attorney game that just released. Yes, he's, um, so what I read was um, the author of um, the Arsene Lupin novels. Uh, he wanted to incorporate uh, Sherlock Holmes into his story, but Arthur, was it Arthur Conan Doyle, said no. Yeah, yeah. So he did a you know a reverse one by switching the names around. So now it's Sherlock Holmes. But the um, he is actually for real Sherlock Holmes in disguise. Okay. <laughs> like okay, buddy. Um, so, <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah, uh, a famous detective going around named Sherlock Holmes. No one knows where Sherlock Holmes is though. He apparently was killed by his uh, arch nemesis, supposedly. But um, the most important part was there's a new story route for her brother, Finnis, who was like one of the major antagonists of the first game. Um, but for various spoiler reasons, he does not get a redemption uh, of any kind in those endings. He's the bad guy throughout the whole story. And this version is basically her trying to redeem her brother, get him uh, to become a good guy in the end. And the reason that's important is because in the actual game that I wanted to talk about, which is the third game, Wintertide Miracles, um, it does the same thing where it adds new stories for each guy, but it's based on the ending to Finnis's route in the previous game, not the first game. And this is where it starts to get really confusing, um, because when I first picked up these games, I, was, I thought it would be fun if I played through an entire character story first to last game. Um, I didn't do full research on it, and there really wasn't much information to go on. So I thought that, you know, each, you know, game carried into the next one, not realizing there's literally a split in the second game that breaks them off into two alternate timelines where her brother is a good guy and her brother is not. It's really confusing, but it sort of made sense why they did it, because this gave them an opportunity to have a romance the guys, um, since at the end of uh, Future Blessings, they kind of gone as far as they could go with them. At the end of most of them, they were like married or not married, and there was like no problems to solve anymore. Her skin situation was solved, and it was kind of like there's like a feature I'm gonna talk about later on that kind of makes this kind of clear why. But um, the Wintertide Miracles is the Christmas themed one, and it has all these two to three hour long stories for each guy. And it's based off the ending of Finnis's story where she romances these guys. And it's like, a, it's sort of like, uh, oh, she's living out in Wales now. So she's not living with them anymore, but she really misses the particular character that you're romancing. And at the start of each one, um, but the game also includes just to pad it out um, an extra story that goes in with the common route. So it, it's canon to, every version of the game and uh two more epilogues related to the 
Sherlock Holmes and Finnis. And it also includes uh, a new feature called uh, Triangle Dates, which is you pick two of the five guys and pair them up and they kind of fight over Cardia <laughs> in, in like a 10 minute, 15 minute long date. And like, oh, here's a the reward is you get like a little image of the scenario that's happening, but they're fighting over her. Like there's one of the two guys dancing with her together. There's one of two guys like kissing her at the same time. Random crap like that. Um, thankfully, they're very short. It was one of the worst parts of the game. I didn't care about it at all. Um, it was, as far as I could tell, non-canonical because it, like a lot of it was in a weird, vague period of time or relates to stuff that you would have only seen at a character's ending when they would be with somebody, not fighting with someone. The characters were making their uh, interest in her more clear, whereas they kind of stumble over their affection for her during uh, their route. Um, but what I really liked about the game was it was it had this uh, really cute uh, Christmas tree menu. So when you start a new game or you continue a new game, it takes you to a basically a giant christmas tree and the the star on top are is the triangle date section so you click on that takes you to that part um the ornaments on the tree are all the guys you can pick in their storyline at the very bottom of the tree it's the presence and if you hover over one of the presents it pops out um one of the characters in the bonus stories so once you've done all of this you've done everything in the game you've spent 20 to 30 hours doing literally anything everything that is possible to do the game drops new epilogues here's an extra 30 minutes with each guy but and this kind of like drove me nuts but it's it it relates to uh the version of events uh in the first game and the second game so it's not like an epilogue to the christmas stories it's the first game stories. And I was like, why did they shove these in here? It was so strange because, first of all, these stories really brought across how there was nothing left for them to explore with these characters. Because normally I would play like, oh, I really liked uh, Frankenstein's mo story more than uh, Impies, but I really liked Impies. Oh, but Lupin's was the best. This one was like, oh, nope, they're all basically the same to me. You know, 30 minutes of fluffing around, maybe getting married. If they're already married, going, they're going somewhere. It was uh, incredibly boring and unnecessary. But I guess they decided they would add it in because uh, fans would want to see how the story ends for the main universe, I guess you could say. And, yeah, you know, it was it was fun. Uh very long, all all three games. I start I started playing it in like April, and I just finished the uh, winter game, Wintertide Miracles, last week. Um, I probably spent two months on each one, then took a break in between in between them all. Um, I would probably put my total playtime at about eighty hours uh, wow. because I want I played every route, every every piece of content in the game. Um, I I popped all the platinum trophies, I guess you could say, for them because I did everything in them. Um, the only tricky part was in the first game, you have to start from the very beginning and go through the common route all over again and then just change your choices so it'll direct you into that character's story. But you can fast forward through it, but you're still kind of like staring, you know, maybe watching a movie or something while you wait for the game to go through. And it's like 30 minutes of text. So I think overall it's like 10 to 20 hours to read the whole thing. But yeah, it was, uh, I don't usually play, I play a lot of visual novels, but I usually don't play ones where you play as the girl. Um, the way I kind of 
switch my mindset is, you know, if you're playing as a guy and the idea is to go after a girl, you know, I go, which character would I pick? But with um, a game where I'm playing as the girl, I kind of switch my mindset to which guy do I want to get the girl type thing. And so I, I, uh, I, I basically went down in order of my favorite characters. Um, in case anyone's interested, my favorite character was uh, Victor Frankenstein. I thought his story <laughs> was kind of the most interesting one, even though he's basically a completely different character from how he is in fiction. Um, I thought it was really funny how of the five guys you can pick, uh, three of them relate to committing some sort of uh, war crime or genocide on people. I thought that was a strange uh, strange decision, but I guess they feel bad about it. So, Yeah, you had mentioned uh, St. Germain that you weren't really familiar with. So he was actually a, uh, a European, a famous European adventurer who was into like science and alchemy and the arts. And uh, one of the things that he would claim later on in life was that he was the son of a prince uh, from Transylvania, which is probably why they ended up using him as a character and the Castlevania series, if you've seen that recently. Oh, oh really? Well, uh, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I'll spoil his storyline because I didn't like his very much. Um, he's just kind of like a really enigmatic weirdo who own, who's like a count. And yep. he's, he's the mansion. His mansion is the one they live in. Um, the way his story, the way they end the, the, the common route that's similar to everyone's story is he comes out of nowhere and stabs someone to death. And they don't kind of explain what that was unless you're doing his storyline. And you find out it's because he is like, he is a part of a secret group that is led by someone who might be Eve from the biblical story. And she has a whole bunch of storybook characters or something or like fictional characters. And they're basically immortal assassins that prevent catastrophe. Like in the first game, there was Guinevere as a as a knight. And then mm. the second game introduced um, Hansel. And he uses a giant, a giant key-shaped sword that he names Gretel after his sister. And uh, St. Germain's one of these immortal guys. And he is tasked with um, bringing everyone together so that they can kill Cardia. And the first like two hours of his story is him holding her captive in a um a different mansion and i was like i'm supposed to fall in love with this guy it was very bizarre it was probably the worst one of the bunch <laughs> sounds dreamy oh yeah he's he's the kind of guy who's like a weirdo like oh look at me i'm goofy i'm having fun aren't i and then he turns out to be super serious and i think you find out that he might have killed a whole village of people when he was still working for this secret group. Uh, you find out that uh, Victor Frankenstein, he created a chemical that the the crown used as a weapon to kill vampires. And then obviously you find out that Van Helsing killed vampires in a war and he's really feels really bad about it. I was just very like, this is very heavy for a, uh, a video game where you try to smooch guys, but whatever. <laughs> hey, you know, they put the time in. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's definitely one of the better uh, visual novels I've played. Uh, I didn't. I don't really regret my time playing it. It was kind of fun to just chill on the couch and read. Um, also, fun fact: uh, Wintertide Miracles, the last um, retail Vita game. Really? It was, yeah, it was the last game to be sold in a store uh, for the Vita. Everything else was um, limited run stuff. Mm. And what did we just have in the past uh, month? This month of July the last ever digital releases on Vita. Yes, and and tomorrow they are releasing uh, 
Super Meat Boy on Limited Run Games, which should which should supposedly be the last Limited Run's Vita game. All right. Well, if you're listening to this and uh, have made it all the way through Evan's visual novel talk and are feeling <laughs> feeling the need for some Meat Boy, then uh, <laughs> quick, if you're listening to this in a timely release set. Uh, Maybe not July by the time I get this out. Probably will be. But, you know, whatever. Check out Limited Run Games. They're always good for some good stuff there. I'm not going to try to get it because I think there's only a thousand copies for Super oh. Meat Boy. And they're doing the whole, you know, 10 o'clock, 6 o'clock thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be involved in that, Chief. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, the bots will get them all. You can get it for $200 <laughs> in a few weeks. <laughs> Along with your next uh, PS5 for $1,000. All right, let's go to something uh, not coming up, something that has been well in the past. Uh, Pendy, how about you and I talk some Dragon Quest for a while? Because we, we've both got a couple, few different Dragon Quest games we want to mention and the shout outs they've done in the past. I got Probably a Dragon Quest game off. too. What? <laughs> Did I not read this? Oh, you do have another Dragon Quest. All right, so here we go. We're, we're going to get a bunch of different Dragon Quests in here. So, uh, Pendy, we'll start with On you. Dragon Quest we'll get you in. What? I know. <laughs> I, no, no, you know. no. <laughs> yep, I, I skipped down to your fourth one, Yangus, and totally missed your third one. So we'll start out with Dragon Quest Two. Pendy, go ahead and talk Dragon Quest Two. We'll try to go in a order here. All right. Yeah. So I'm talking about Dragon Quest II, but in particular, to keep in with our theme today, I'm going to talk about the Roan area of Dragon Quest II. So mm -hmm. I just finished playing the uh, delocalized patch for Dragon Warrior II. Uh, this takes the NES Dragon Warrior 2 and puts in a new accurate and uncensored script and redoes all the censored sprites. I went in and hacked it and actually uh, changed the sprites. So like the ghosts that you'd see in the NES version, they're now coffins like they were in the original. Uh, churches with their crosses and priests are restored. It's fantastic. And you may ask, we get all the why not just for uh, pop ups? Oh yes, yeah. There's a there's a yeah. section okay. of town in one of the towns where Woo! like there's a cross dressing person and a in a puff puff and all sorts of crazy crap going on. But and you and you may ask yourself, what, why not just take the original Famicom Dragon Quest II and put in uh, an English translated script there? which is not a bad idea either, but the crew behind the patch liked the idea of keeping all the NES features, such as the battery save and the opening attack on Moonbrook that's not in the Japanese version and stuff like that. So I recently played an English translation patch for the Famicom Dragon Quest One, and, and if you have to use the password system in there, it, it is no joke because the first few Dragon Quests in Japan use a password system as opposed to a battery save. It is extensive. It's like 20 characters or something ridiculous like that. So I can see the logic of why they went in that direction the way that they did. But anyway, I'm here to focus primarily on the last wintry area that you have to tra traverse through to go to Hargon's castle near the end of the game. And let me tell you, there is no Christmas cheer here. There are no sleigh bells. There's no chestnuts roasting on an open fire. No presents from Santa. Just death. Death around every corner. Giants, <laughs> lizards, and gold batboons. Oh my. The giants will often do critical hits. The gold batboons can cast sacrifice, wiping out your entire party. And the, the blizzards often cast defeat that can also potentially kill your whole party too with the insta-death. And I didn't even mention yet the bullwongs, which people now know as archdemons, that can cast explodet using the old NES terms. It is a nightmare out there. And the joke that people often, uh, the running joke about the Prince of Canic 
dying all the time. Oh, yeah. There's truth to that joke now that I've played this version after so many years. He is made of glass. Out of the three characters, I found out, and this is probably where, you know, he gets the reputation for dying so often, even more so than the princess, is that he will often take the most damage from a breath or a magic attack. Uh, I'll have a monster, for example, I'll have a monster cast Explode at, at me. Uh, it'll do around 50 damage to Mindenhall and Moonbrook. But it'll do 80 damage for Kanik. It's ridiculous. He is the only character, he's also the only character that gets zoom and revive uh, for spells. Which in the original, in in the original, if you don't remember, he you can't use revive in battle, unlike in the remakes. And also in the remakes, Moonbrook, you know, they gave her revive because they don't. She didn't have that in the original either. So have that leaf of the world tree handy because you might need it, especially with that kind of setup. I'm glad they fixed him. I'm glad they fixed him and buffed him up in the remake. Remakes. It's bad in the original. So it's not a very merry situation. I had no ho ho hos to give. So with that. <laughs> With that, I will jingle all the way to everyone else's take on this area. What do you guys uh, think, and what were your impressions of it back in the day or recently if you played remakes or the original? Oh, it was rough. No, I remember all those spells, yeah. You'd get hit hard, and those freaking instant death spells. Yep. I I still, I never had a problem with Kanik. All the times I played, never had a problem. But when I was young, I used to grind like crazy, so that might have been part of it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you like super grind in every little area, and that's that's gonna help out a lot. But I, you know, I kind of went as fast as I could and uh, kind of explored out before yeah. getting the best equipment too. Like I would go to the next area and kind of grind in that area so that I could more quickly get gold to get the best stuff. Because you know, on the the original, it's some, everything is so expensive and it takes a long time to get gold and, and experience. Uh, so I, I died a lot. <laughs> and Kanik, he would die. He would die the most. And like I said. And this is something I didn't remember or just never realized is that that it made a big difference that him being more uh, susceptible to breath and magic attacks is probably what did him in more than anything else. Because everyone else would get was just either naturally uh, better at uh, not getting as much damage or would be able to get equipment like the water flying cloth for the princess that would mm -hmm. help help out with that. But he didn't have anything like that. So he just like took the brunt of all that crap and that. That's what led him to die, probably more so than anything else <laughs> on stuff. So it was, yeah, it was, it could be frustrating. <laughs> All right, Sounds well. like a nightmare. Should I save this for the Halloween episode? <laughs> <laughs> right? Nice, nice. Well, let's move through the Dragon Quest uh, series of games we got. Five would be next on our list. Yangus, what did you want to talk about? Uh, I wanted to talk about Fairy Lee, which I'm probably not saying it correctly how it is, but that's why I've always called it. Uh, Fairy Lee from Dragon Quest Five. So, uh, particularly the first generation. So, when you're playing through uh, Dragon Quest V, the first generation has you playing as the uh, protagonist, as a little boy. And after your adventures, uh, hunting ghosts in up to ten towers with uh, Bianca, which don't worry if you forget about that experience, you're going to hear about it like ten more times as you play the game. <laughs> um, you end up meeting a fairy. I believe her name is called Honey, and she is from the Kingdom of Fairy Leap. So, she helps you reach Fairy Lee, and you discover that this place is just in a continuous winter, due to, oh, I believe they call her the Winter Queen or the Ice Queen. It's 
in the translation that we got, it seems very reminiscent and like very much a big shout out to uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from C.S. Lewis uh, from the Chronicles of Narnia series, where you know it's in the sec in the in that book, uh, Narnia is in a constant state of winter uh, due to the White Queen and her powers, and it seems like that's what they were going for with Dragon Quest V. Um, you get there, you are you know it's just your hero or protagonist. You have uh, your saber cat or saber cub, I should say, and Honey, who ends up joining you uh, to, as you explore through the uh, explore through Fairy Leap. And your goal is to pretty much just travel across the landscape. You know, you have to find the, I believe it's called the Spring Flute, if I remember the name correctly, which you have to find in order to, uh, uh, oh, what do they call it? What would that word be? Um, summon the spring or like, I, f- I forget what wording they use. Anyway, the point is you have to find this flute in order to help bring about spring and end the eternal winter that's been going on because it's also affecting the real world too because people in um your hometown are starting to notice like hey it seems a little colder around here than it usually is this time of the year something's going on so it's slowly but surely starting to affect the real world too uh you end up traveling through a cave you meet um an old dwarf who's looking for his grandson uh dwight the white dwarf you end up finding him in this frozen palace to the far north uh west of the fairy lee world uh you i if i remember right you fight him and then you have to fight the winter queen and once you've done that you get the flute you summon uh winter or you summon spring to come into the world the snow starts to melt the flowers all start to bloom and when you eventually are able to go back to fairy lee uh years later in the game you find that your actions you know help change fairy lee back to the way it was supposed to be it's in a constant state of a uh, spring slash summer. Uh, the winter palace that was in like the far north uh, west that you originally traveled to is now actually a big TNT board that you can play on. Uh, you can recruit Dwight the White Dwarf in the cave where you originally found his grandfather. And um, there are quite, there are a few snow themed enemies like um, I don't remember what their translated names are, but there are the four little. Um, leaf wearing guys, which uh, like they have like light blue skin, they have blue leaves. They're they're a reference to you know the hero, the soul, or the warrior, uh, the mage, and or the wizard and the priest classes from Dragon Quest Three. Uh, I forget what their names are. It's like the, the conqueror, like the conquer mage stuff like that. And you can recruit them in there, like when you go back to it in Generation Three. And really, that's about all I have. It's just a nice little uh, wintry theme break from the rest of the game and it's cool that you actually you know get to go back to it years later in the game and see you know how your actions affected it it's no longer winter themed when you go back to it later but you still you still kind of have that sort of like otherworldly like oh you know this you know this is kind of a cool vibe but yeah i i chose this one because of the winter theming to it at the beginning of the game and it's kind of one of your little side adventures that you go on when you are uh, a child in Dragon Quest V. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, going numerically, we'll uh, and actually release date wise, we'll uh, go with Dragon Quest Nine next. This was uh, one of the things I put on there because in Dragon Quest Nine there is a DLC quest. So ninety nine percent of you listening out there, too bad, too late, you can't get it anymore. But uh, <laughs> there is a DLC quest in Dragon Quest Nine that if you were Lucky enough, long ago, when the DS servers were still running, uh, you could get it. It was quest number 152, and it was called Merry Questmas. Um, and you basically went, and I'm pretty sure, if I'm looking at the map right here, pretty sure it was uh, just north, uh, an island well in the north, but it was north of the not-Hogwarts area. Um, 
leaves leaves Swine Dimples Academy, head north, hop on a boat. Um, although it looks, I can't remember if this was you could only access it by air or something. But late in the game, you could get there, little island up there, and there was uh, Chris Kringle. You'd meet Chris Kringle in his house, and he's dressed up. You can see him just like Santa Claus. Um, it required you, or it asked you to go beat the uh, Tantamount monsters in high-level volcano grottos. Uh, they were the horse that, uh, kind of the red, green, gold-colored horse recolors of the Equinox monster that was a grotto boss quite often. But you had to uh, be in a high-level volcano grotto, beat Tantamounts in five turns or less, and you had to do it like eight times to get eight heavenly horseshoes. Um, it was, if you were loving to do all the boss encounter monster or maps get the uh this one gave you the s dark map and that's one of the i mean they're all kind of rough when you start leveling them up but s dark definitely one of the rough ones but if you hung around kringle coast up there that was the name of the little island that uh obviously chris kringle lived on there's a bunch of other side quests that you could get there too but I know there was also you could get the Santa cloak. Wasn't that one of the items to wear? One of the armors, I believe, and the hat, too. I remember the hat for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there were a couple things with that. But yeah, just a just a little side quest. But he had his own little island up on the Kringle Coast up there. You could uh, go visit him. There was a little Christmas tree with an ornament on top. He had a wreath around um like up on the fireplace mantle too. So little nod to Christmas in Dragon Quest Nine, and I believe Pendy, you've got some even more recent Dragon Quest Christmassy stuff for us. I do, in a way. So I'm just gonna do a quick shout out to uh, Dragon Quest of the Stars and Dragon Quest Monster Super Lights. Um, with those two games, uh, DQ DQMSL had a Christmas event with some fantastic Christmas themed backgrounds and enemies. You had enemies like the uh, Christmas. Canna boxes, little elf sanguinis, Santa sanguinis, and sweetie bags, which were Christmas-themed trick bag. Uh, DQOTS had some sweet quick Christmas gear you could get. Uh, I know I mentioned this on our uh, Sayonara to DQOTS episode, but I loved the uh, boomerang weapon shaped like a snowboard that I was able to get that had multiple different colored slimes designed on it. It was one of my favorite weapon designs that you could get in that game. And the big boss event for it was uh, God from Dragon Quest Seven dressed up as Santa. So that was <laughs> fun to go battle him. Uh, did, anyone else, did anyone else get a chance to participate in either of those? Those were, those were fun events. I feel like when I first started the um, Dragon Quest, uh, what is it, the, the Monsters one, Super Light, I played yeah, yeah. the I played the Japanese version when it first came out, uh, and I want to say right around spring break, like early March, they did a very wintry themed one. Early on, I remember they had the white slimes that in some of the monsters games are called snow slimes, and they had a few other things. But I I know I didn't stick around for Super Light when it came out in English until Christmas time. But I do remember some of the wintry themed ones at least for a week or so in either late February or early March, back when the uh, original Japanese one started up. But I guess that's it with our Dragon Quest. Just a just a lot of little things. I mean, obviously, they've not an made an entire Dragon Quest uh, Christmas or wintry game. Uh, I'll just give them some time. No, I'm sure they will eventually. No, I, no, I Maybe am Dragon Quest. 
Well, <laughs> if 12 is the one, then we're all stuck in winter for like no. 10 to 20 years. Be a, a dark-themed the dark uh, Christmas Dragon Quest game, since they said 12 is going to be very very dark. So it'll be a very yeah, depressing a very depressing <laughs> Dragon Ooh. Quest Christmas game. Santa, Santa's winter, died. Darker or longer. <laughs> in a world without Santa, it's only you. <laughs> All right, so that would be that would be the greatest plot to us to like a Dragon Quest game. It's like you will become Santa Claus. <laughs> Have like a real like um uh, like a like a sleigh bell version of like Dragon Quest of the Dragon Quest Overture. <laughs> as long as the main hero can equip claws, you know. <laughs> Well, they're, they're going to have a box Santa's called Sandy Claws. It's going to be like a, a crab or a lobster thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have to be in the sand or the desert. Yep. <laughs> All right, Yang, since you spoke up, you're a tag, you're it. Talk about your uh, last one that you wanted to talk about tonight. Okay. Uh, for my last one, I decided to pick uh, an indie game that I, I believe it's been out for a few years now. It's called... Project Winter. Uh, so this was a game that if you've seen games like Among Us or things like that, it's sort of that style of game. Um, this is a game where you will play, I believe this up to 10 people will play in one or can play in one game. Uh, two people will be the traitors. The rest of you are the survivors who are trying to uh, get out of this uh, wintry valley before this mega blizzard hits. Uh, you can like design your characters however you want to. Um, I like to call the the fat uh, character that you can pick uh, pretty much what Eric Cartman would look like if he was an adult. If you know uh, Cartman <laughs> from South Park, <laughs> um, um, and better yet, like the big like the big fat body you can pick. They have like these like skinny twig legs, so it's even funnier yet watching them run around. <laughs> but um, you have some different options. Like for that, you can pick, you know, be a guy, a guy or a gal. You can decorate your, um, you know, pick different facial features, uh, outfits for the winter, stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so you have different goals you want to complete. Uh, you can do some crafting. Like you want to, you want to find like scrap metal so you can uh, make like missing cogs or missing like pieces for these machines you want to repair to you know, get the helicopter to come to this place to pick you up. Uh, the traders can do stuff like, you know, sabotage the machines. You know, they can go and collect stuff and go and try and hide it, or they want to try and kill off players. You're able to craft, uh, everybody can craft different things like axes or guns to use, because you also, you know, as well as the trader having to worry, you have to worry about them and trying to figure out who that is. You also have uh, wildlife you have to watch out for, like bears and wolves. And um, I believe they've added some other things with updates. It's been one of those games that it's slowly getting updated more and more with new content and stuff. But um, basically, it's a game all about survival. And like you can set it for like 30 minutes uh, for a game where you have to like travel across like the different sectors of the map and find materials and I mean, really, I, I I can't say too much more about the game without repeating myself all that much. I will say, like, the way I discovered this game was from uh, a guy named Kriken over on YouTube, where he just had some, like, highlights of playing the game with some of his buddies, just because it was a few years ago that I saw that, and it just was sort of my introduction to the game, and I really liked what I saw. And his introduction was that he made his character an old man in red, and he called him Father Winter. It, he kind of looked like a Santa Claus character, just without the hat, and... um like, he's going around talking in this sort of voice the whole time. Sonny, do you have any berries you can spare? You know, things like that. And um, the funniest part, though, is that since this is a game all about survival, and, you know, if a human player dies, they're going to just become a ghost and just can see all the action. Well, if somebody dies and you go to their body, 
you can take out their heart, and as Kraken learned from the video that I happened to see, you can actually go to your cabin, and you can cook the human heart if you absolutely need something to eat. <laughs> so, it's definitely a game about surprise. <laughs> I remember watching that. Him and his old man voice, Kraken's just like, oh shit, well we have another option if we run out of food. <laughs> Come here, fatso. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it's definitely a fun game to check out. I've play, gotten a chance to play it a little bit. I actually enjoy this like of a game where you have to like figure out who the traitor is and like get out uh, before it's too late. I prefer this over like Among Us because for one, the game goes a lot, you know, it takes a lot longer to get through it. It's not just like a one hit and you're dead sort of thing. And it, the game encourages you to interact and work with your teammates and, um, you know, you can you know you can do silly stuff like if you want to or you can actually just try and play the game and really visually it's got a nice style to it as well there's not really much music to it uh but visually i like the style they went with it's more simple um polygon shapes and uh designs to it but really like the art style really does a good job like showing off the characters and uh all of the things that you can uh look out for in the overworld like you know if you're looking for berry bushes or uh, the machinery and stuff like that. There's there's very easy uh, markers to figure them out, and they stand out very well amongst like the snowy backgrounds. And there's little areas too you can stand at where you can get a better overview of a particular area that you're at. Like they're marked with little flags, and they have a circle that if you're standing in it, uh, your character will then like the camera pans down to more of an eye level view, so you can see more what's going on around you. But it's a good little uh, indie game, and if you're looking for something that's going to give you a little bit more meat to it than uh, versus like like the really quick fire stuff that um uh among us has then i would definitely recommend project winter it's it's a fun time it can be a pretty goofy game too especially if you like to you know make your character and just have them be you know something really silly like if like the eric cartman thing i was talking about or um you know the father winter thing where you just start going around acting like an old man no sonny can you help me put this machine together you know just stupid stuff like that it, it, it it's a good time i definitely recommend it Sounds good. I know my son just came back today. He has never mentioned Among Us. We've never talked about it. Um, but at my school, the school I work at, that the kids play Among Us physically on the playground all the time. Like first grade, second grade, they all play it. Their older brothers and sisters have played it. So that's what they play on the playground. Even our um, the PE aides or the recess aides that we have outside, I'll see the kids all lined up, like closing their eyes and the aide will go around and like tap two kids on the shoulders to be the imposters. And then they just run around the playground playing like tag, almost like that. Oh yeah. And it's pretty much like a game of tag almost. We Yeah. So my son's at, um, we're bringing my oldest son to the school I'm at this year for the first time. And he's at summer camp and the group he's in at summer camp is like half the kids that will be in his second grade class anyway. And he came home today and all the way home in the car, he was telling me about, he played this new game at recess today called Among Us, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. We go. <laughs> what about Fortnite? Play Fortnite yet? Uh, you know what? Fortnite, yeah, some of the kids still talk about that. That that I don't know. It might have been the years and the grade levels that I taught. I feel like I missed all the Fortnite talk, but you know, Among Us has been pretty big. Yeah, that's definitely been, like, the new... Like, it was Minecraft, then it became Fortnite, and now Among Us seems to be becoming that new one. Yeah, kids will draw me pictures, they'll draw me the little characters and write on the board, like, coding is sus. Yeah, I don't (laughs) don't think Among Us is bad by any means, but I I personally prefer... 
Project Winter for that style of game, just because, like I said, it's got it's got a little more meat to its bones, you know? It's not just the simple, like, oh, yeah. you know, one touch, your character's dead, you know? And the game actually, you know, encourages you to work together and, like, you know, communicate with your team, whereas, you know, in Among Us, you have to be quiet, and then you don't get to say anything until it's like, oh, well, you know, this person died, where were you? You know, I don't know. It's it's a di- They both have different takes on that sort of genre, but I just prefer Project Winter, because it's got... It's a little more, I guess, what I expect from that kind of game, because it reminds me of, um, oh, what's that? What's that game called? It's like Secret Werewolf or something like that. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah. I played that at uh, anime cons before. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes me think more of that. But yeah, that's that's all I got on Project Winter. It, it, it's a good time. Nice. And uh, that, that's pretty much it for us. We, you know, we could probably go on and on about lesser known things over and over and over again but looking at our list i think we covered everything we wanted to do anybody else got anything else you want to talk about real quick or we good to wrap this up Uh, i'll just uh, oh go ahead i'll just say that i have a fan blowing on me right now because it's very (laughs) hot outside (laughs) yeah it's uh this is definitely christmas in july where like right now i'm in a i'm in the desert where it gets up to like 113 during the day definitely not uh, very Christmassy out here <laughs> jeez but i will i will wish everybody out there a uh, a, a merry Christmas. <laughs> there we go merry Christmas to all and to all a good night oh ho well, or blimey <laughs> that's it Guys, for this episode i see sleigh bells oh ring a ding schnickle schnickle <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was the best i i'm like reading i was reading the script i did not even notice the snickle snickle thing (laughs) you saying it just makes makes it funnier because it's just like what the hell is snickle snickle (laughs) better watch out he's gonna come whip you with the uh branch off the tree I think all he has to do is just say snickle, snickle, snickle to me, and that'll be enough to get me the, to listen. <laughs> Maybe he's just tickle, tickle, tickle you with that snickle, tree branch. That's what he says when he tickles you. He's like, snickle, 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 snickle. <laughs> it's that German accent. It just sounds like snickle. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, that is it for this episode of Slime Time Side Quest. Uh, Batcraft took off a little early, but thanks, Evan and Pendy, for sticking around and joining us to talk about games that make us think about Christmas in our ridiculously hot July. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being on tonight, guys. And thank you, too, to all of our guests that um, we've had on in past episodes. It's crazy that it's been a year now since we've started doing these side quest episodes. Yeah. I mean, I, what, did, what did you what did you figure out, man? It was like, or yeah, Matt, I think we're like, it, we're pretty much exactly like at 53 weeks. I think uh, we were late July last year. So, yeah, we're a little bit over a year to the day. So that's crazy. It's been we fun. We got 20 of these suckers out in a year. So I know goodness. that's crazy. I honestly would have thought we had gotten more out, too. It's like wow we're only on episode 20 it seems like we've done so many more <laughs> but it's we've had a lot of guests on you know we always obviously we thank uh you know evan slash eel um pendy and Matcraft for being on tonight but you know we also got to thank uh you know regulars we also had like barurian blue star osnavar uh jay our brother jay bird you know and I'm Drippy's sure there's been on quite a few Drippy, times. Yes, thank you, Drippy. Yep. We've had Drippy on too. We've had. Um, oh, I feel like there's somebody else that I'm forgetting from our usual ones that we have. That's uh, what we start listing names, and we always forget somebody. <laughs> I know. I'm, if so, if I if I forgot to list somebody, I apologize. But How we really do. You. you know, we we thank everybody for who's, who's been on. <laughs> you these did episodes. that on purpose. <laughs> 
Um, we, I didn't even hear what you said, but, um, you know, we do have to thank everybody that's been on these episodes and, you know, for everybody who listens to us, you know, we just enjoy doing this because we like talking with one another and sharing, you know, some of our gaming experiences. And, you know, we're happy that, you know, so many, you know, that we have folks that listen to us and, uh, you know, that want to join us for these different episode topics and everything. So, you know, it's been a great year to, of doing these episodes. So, hey, let's, you know, keep the momentum going for another year of side quest episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this isn't even DLC, you know, servers are shut down and you can probably still find this episode around <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Less anchor FM. Jeez, was it a Christmas episode screwed. or a Thanksgiving episode? <laughs> oh, wait, you can always find it on the den. Never mind. We're always on the den. <laughs> Speaking of the den, if you've got any uh, money you'd like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den at www.woodis.com slash den and click on support the site. Um, he's owned and maintained the Dragon's Den fan site there for 20 years plus now. I'm sure he'd appreciate any donation. I know he's got a new link, Woodis does, at the top of the den. I don't know if it's just in the forums or on the den proper, um, where you can shop Amazon through his affiliate link, not just buy, you know, one or two off Dragon Quest things, but, uh, you know, you're going to go buy a wood chipper for $1,000, you know. Might as well buy it through there. Woodis will probably get 75 cents and uh, won't cost you a penny. <laughs> um, if you would like to uh, message Platy or I about uh, episode ideas or just to contact us about something, uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to Platy uh, via the Discord, or excuse me, via the Dragon's Den Discord. Uh, he's under Platy M3. You can send him a personal message, or you can reach him through the Dragon's Den itself. Uh, same way with a personal message. You can also contact him via his Twitter account, which is it's just Platy M3, correct? Nothing yep. else. Okay. Yep. You can contact him through that. Uh, you can also contact me at Yangus the Legendary Bandit uh, on the Dragon's Den or through the Dragon's Den Discord through the same way uh, with personal messages. And even though, you know, I just said that Platy had a Twitter account, um, a joke we started up last time was where we're going to randomly start messaging a, a person on Twitter. Uh, as I learned from Matt Craft from the last time we did one of these SideQuest episodes, apparently there was another Psychic Pebbles on Twitter I was not aware of. <laughs> so just to make it really clear this time, for our random Twitter message slash person we're going to message with, these, with stuff, it's going to be all under or all lowercase, all one word, psychic pebbles, and message him. You hope he enjoys life while he's green and retired. He'll understand what it means. <laughs> so hopefully now we're gonna have the right psychic pebbles for this one, and not the whatever the hell it was Matt Craft told us about last time. Just like what the hell is this? <laughs> That's not the one I meant. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Well, on that very confusing note that I have absolutely no idea about, <laughs> I'm just gonna say. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Side quest complete. Here's hoping we have another great year side quest. Bye.